Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. Today, we are so excited to bring on our friend Jason Robel. He is a super accomplished superstar vegan. He has a cookbook. He had a TV show uh, showing people how to cook plant-based foods, and he is spending his time these days educating people on wellness on his Instagram channel. And we've been so inspired by what he's posting that we wanted to bring him on to share with you. Sometimes being plant-based and eating in a way that's different from the entire rest of the world can feel really overwhelming. It can feel heavy and lonely at times, and it can really have an impact on mental health, especially if that's something that you struggle with anyway. So we wanted to bring on someone who has lived and breathed this for decades, has had experiences with their own mental health struggles, but also overcome them, studied them, and has so much wisdom to share. And that is Jason. So we cannot wait to bring him on. We want to give a big thank you to our sponsors of this episode, Flora Plant Butter and Caroloha. Flora Plant Butter is plant-based butter that is trusted by chefs all over the world and is awesome. Tony and I have actually been collaborating with them for years at this point. We've used it for everything. What type of recipes have you made with Flora? It was actually, we did a really cool collaboration together. And Michelle and I did a cooking demo where we each highlighted how to use the butter in our own cultural recipes. So I did tamales and Michelle did a kugel recipe. Yeah, a noodle kugel, which is like the least veganizable recipe ever. It has every part of dairy you can imagine, but it's a traditional Jewish recipe and it came out so good. I've also used it in recipes that are like the heart of it is butter, like buttercream frosting, and it holds up really well. You use it just as you would whatever butter that you're currently using. You replace it one-to-one and it is fantastic. If you're looking for a plant-based butter, just like exploring some new ones like Tony and I always do, keep an eye out for them in stores. They're at a lot of mainstream grocery stores, but you can also find exactly where to find them at flora.com. And Michelle's favorite thing about them and mine too, we're always looking for ways to be more eco-friendly and they have their packaging as paper instead of plastic. A lot of vegan butters or regular butters come in plastic tubs. And if you're trying to cut down on your plastic, Flora is a great option because they don't have that plastic tub. They have paper and it's just a great eco-friendly option. If you are gluten-free or only shop non-GMO, they tick both of those boxes. You've got to try it. Keep an eye out. If you're Flora fans, let us know because we can we can bond. Okay. <laughs> but it's also really cool because they collaborate with a whole bunch of vegan and plant-based content creators. So you can find lots of fun Instagram reels and recipes over on at Plant Based on a Budget and at Vegan, our channels, but also check out at Flora Plant US on Instagram for more recipes and fun content there. Thank you so much, Flora. Next up, we want to thank Caraloha. And it's so cool how we found out about them. I was with my family in Maui celebrating my in-laws' birthdays. They were turning 70 years old. And this is a little while back. And we went shopping and I saw this store called Caraloha and we popped in and everyone was obsessed with the softness of all of their products. They have clothing, they have activewear, they have underwear, and everyone left with something because it was so soft. My husband got a new shirt and some underwear and my father-in-law took some stuff home. So anyway, then we registered for our wedding 
for these premium products because they were so soft and eco-friendly. And actually, Michelle, do you want to talk about how they're eco-friendly? Yeah. Caraloha makes most of their products from bamboo, which is one of the most sustainable resources out there. One of the crazy facts that I learned recently is that bamboo can grow four feet every single day. So it regenerates naturally. It's good for the soil, good for the air, good for the earth. Bamboo is a great, great fabric resource to turn to when you're looking for sustainable clothing, bedding, and beyond. And Caraloha has all of that. I have a pair of their sheets that are magical. Yeah, they are super, super soft. We have their towels, their blankets, their sheets, and they have become a household name for us and our family and not just our Shapiro family, but like the whole Shapiro family loves, 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 loves these products because they are high quality, they're long lasting, and they, they're they very soft. So if you're ever in Hawaii, you can see if you can find a Karaloha store. I, I stumbled upon one when I was in Kauai, but you can also get them no matter where you live at karaloha.com. They have a beautiful online shop that will make you just want everything in your house to be green, sustainable, vegan, <laughs> soft. And they teach you a lot about, like I appreciate about their website, that they have information about about why you should choose them and how you're going to be making an impact by selecting their products versus other products. So check them out. It's spelled C-A-R-I-L-O-H-A.com. Thank you so much, Karaloha. Hi, Jason. Thanks so much for coming on to the Plant Powered People podcast. We are so excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. It it feels like it was only yesterday that I had you both on uh, on my podcast with Whitney. And so it's really, uh, it's wonderful to be with you both. I wish it was in person. Maybe we can happen, make that happen this summer, but I will take any kind of gathering with you two whenever I can. So thanks for having me on. As I mentioned in the intro, Jason has a podcast called This Might Get Uncomfortable, and we have been a guest on it, or guests on it, and it is so, 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 so good. One of my favorite podcasts. I have Aww. just a couple that are my go-to when I'm like out and about walking Graham, and This Might un- Get Uncomfortable is definitely a must listen. So, Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. So first of all, where are you calling us from? I am in Los Angeles, California, specifically in the Boyle Heights neighborhood, which is um, right outside the downtown Los Angeles Arts District. I have a friend who lives in Boyle Heights, and I went to visit him, and he took me to eat amazing vegan tacos. They were just abundant. We went to several different restaurants. I called it my uh, my vegan taco tour, and it was fantastic in Boyle Heights. Where I'm curious where you went because I've I've been living here for goodness, almost four years in this specific neighborhood. And I have, I have a couple of my spots. So if you can, if you can remember and and text it to me later, Tony, that would be great because I feel like there's all kinds of hidden gems. You know, Los Angeles is one of those cities that has like undercover vegan food. You know, there's the restaurants we all, we all kind of know and love and and Mm -hmm. the ones that I, I suppose tourists go to or when people are visiting. But to your point, I feel like there are these sneaky places that aren't advertised as having vegan options, but have amazing ones. So I'm always on the hunt for more of those. Yes. And my friend, his name is Hanato. He is a a Spanish speaker. And I feel like he goes in there and he tells them, hey, hook us up. We're vegans. Whatever you can create, that's how we end up with the best of the best. So let me try to rack my brain and get back to you for where those were. But I know we had a lot of good stuff. And I remember getting going to some juice bars, uh, more Mexican restaurants that had juices. Yeah, And they were like, two bucks, three bucks. And I felt 
fantastic eating delicious vegan tacos and drinking fresh juice all week long. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And and you know that that definitely beats a lot of the other fresh juice prices here in LA, <laughs> which is like, oh, you want a fresh juice? That'll be 1350. It's like, oh my, are you picking it off the tree yourself and back? Like 1350. So I'll definitely take a two dollar juice. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> All right. So we are excited to talk to you today a little bit about mental health. But first we want to get to know you who is Jason Rebel? Oh my goodness. That's a light question. <laughs> oh man. I okay. I'm a Detroit native. I am 44 years old. I feel like I'm already like on a dating. This, it's so funny. Like when you asked me that, Tony, I'm like, oh man, I just switched into like dating profile mode. Um yeah. Like I, uh, long, long walks on the beach. Which is true, which is true. Five animals. I've been vegan since 1998. I actually, wait, how many years ago is that? Th- 20, hold on, 23 years. Yeah, so this May, this past past May, I celebrated 23 years wow. and been living in LA for almost 15 years, have been you know, working as a, as a chef for the past 16 years and, and content creator, YouTuber, TV host, also a musician, played in many, many bands over the years and, and thanks to both of you have, have re-engaged my musical career in a very different and unique way. So yeah, um, I'm a Detroit boy, vegan for many decades, and uh, just, you know, really animals and food and music seem to kind of dominate my world. It seems like almost 90% of conversations are about food or animals or music. (laughs) My hat is off to you for being vegan when it was far harder to be. When the plant-based options for milk and ice cream and Meats were not nearly as good as they are today in 2021. Kudos. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, I mean, growing up in Detroit, first of all, and shout out to all of my Metro Detroiters listening, if there are any, it's a lot better now in 2021. But in the mid 90s, when I first started dabbling a bit, it was was challenging because I didn't know anyone choosing this lifestyle or even experimenting with it. There were only literally a handful of restaurants to find good vegan options in in the metro detroit area. So I was very much kind of feeling like Tom Hanks in Castaway, like I had my friend who was a volleyball <laughs> uh non-leather, non-leather volleyball of course, and uh we would talk about, you know, different recipes we wanted to make cuz I literally knew no one at that time. Do you think that's what inspired you to step into becoming a chef that you had to create it yourself otherwise you wouldn't be eating good food? Honestly, Michelle, that's true. It it, yeah. it really is true because when uh when I, when I, when I came out to my mom as a vegan, it, you know, I was standing in the kitchen and I was like, mom, I have something to tell you. She's like, what? I thought, I think I'm vegan now because it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily my, um, goal to become vegan. It's as I learned more about ethics and environmentalism and the food supply. And at that time, mad cow disease was a huge thing in the nineties, Creutzfeldt Jakobs disease. And I emerged from this research rabbit hole at the beginning of the internet. And if anyone remembers doing research at the beginning of the internet, dealing with those dial-up connections, it took forever to Jason, do research. Jason, can you do the AOL sound? I feel oh. like... <laughs> oh my God, what? what? I'm blanking on or it now, like, Michelle. Rrr, 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 rrr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like... It's like an exotic animal from Madagascar. And remember when you'd have to get off the phone? Like, 
my mom would be like, Michelle, I need to make a phone call. You need to get off the internet. (laughs) Totally. So here I am like trying to do research on veganism and animal rights going to like, my God, at that time, I remember like the first, I think the first three people I remember finding on the internet. And I mean, this is the early days was Howard Lyman, who wrote Mad Cowboy. Eric Marcus, who founded vegan.com, because I mean, that's, I was just like, I wonder what happens if I go to vegan.com. And I was like, oh my God, it's an actual website. This is amazing. The third person was Dr. Neil Bernard from PCRM. And with their help and, and, you know, reading their books and discovering their stuff online, I was like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. There are other people out there. It was really through the internet that I, I, I kind of had this hope that I could keep going and, and, and find my own way. But to, to answer your question, Michelle, yeah, I mean, the only way that I knew I could stick with it was if I researched vegan nutrition and learned how to become a chef because I wanted to stick with it long term. I, I didn't want to just do Oreos and Pringles and I didn't want to be a mm-hmm. vegan junk fooditarian. I wanted to make sure I was doing it for the long hey, haul. Hey, Jason, before we talk about the life as a chef and how you came to have your career, could you talk a little bit about the first touch point and how how you were eating beforehand and how your family received that information. You said you had this serious conversation with your mom, but you didn't tell us her reaction. Oh yeah. Well, it's interesting because if if we go back to really briefly kind of the the jump off point or the launching point that got me to do this research in the first place, my grandfather passed away from cancer right after I turned 18. So that was the summer of nineteen ninety five. And I didn't realize it at the time, but his passing really created this point of curiosity for me. It was, um, okay, my grandpa, he he had cancer. Well, why did he get cancer? And everyone's attitude in my family was like, that's just what happens. You get old, and you get a disease and you die. They were very nonchalant about it. And I found that level of nonchalance to be very odd. And I thought, well, let me just dive into cancer a little bit. And, you know, starting to research cancer, that led me down to sort of naturopathic remedies around cancer including vitamin C therapy, eating an anti-inflammatory diet. And as part of that, they were saying like, yeah, a, a good thing for cancer prevention or recovery is to eat vegan. And I was like, what, what is this? And so that's really the portal that opened for me. So three years later, after going from a very standard American diet, I mean, I, I even discovered that you could go to Wendy's and you could order a triple. Like there are single patties, double patties, but there's an <laughs> off menu item where if you ask for a triple, they will give you three patties. I was that guy, right? So that's where I came from. So for me to go on this three-year gradual evolution from hardcore meat eater, standard American diet, triple patties at Wendy's guy, to standing in my mom's kitchen in May of 1998 and saying, I think I'm vegan now, her reaction, Tony, was pleasantly surprising hers i'll get to the rest of my family in a second but my mom said okay that's cool with me i was like that's cool with you she said yeah the only caveat right is that i want to make sure you are going to do this in a very healthy and mindful way so if you're really going to do this and this isn't just you know a phase for you as a teenager is like research the nutrition i'll show you how to make some recipes so my mom was actually my original culinary inspiration. She was totally willing to show me how to make food and, and, and veganize. We actually together worked on veganizing recipes. And then about four months later in the 
late fall, early winter of 1998, my mom went vegan. So my mom's been vegan as long as almost as long as I have. So my mom was easy. My mom was wonderful, and she has been incredibly supportive throughout this whole journey. The rest of my family, let's just say, they were extremely skeptical. You know, when when I said I'm vegan, they're like, "Is, is that like a cult? Are you in a religious cult? Is that what?" Vegan, like vegan, like, you know, vegan, it's called vegan. So I realized that one of the benefits of learning to cook and learning to make really good tasting plant-based food was that when I served it to my family and we would have family dinners, we would have holidays, is it got, I started to get so good at making food that that was the point of convincing, right? Like that was the thing that they thought, wow, I didn't, I didn't know it could be this good. And that's when I realized that making really good vegan food could be a form of activism in the sense that it, I saw it open the minds and the hearts of my family through food. And that's really what started my journey of, of getting really serious about the culinary arts. Wow, that's amazing. And way to go, mom. That is a rare story. And it's um, not. It's amazing that she not only supported her child as a teenager and accommodated you, but then also came on board and lived the lifestyle with you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Mom was amazing. You know, the, like I said, though, the rest of my family, they, they were, it was tough. You know, they, they, they weren't cruel about it. They weren't, you know, I've heard so many horror stories over the years of, of the deep, deep challenges that people have with their family. The biggest challenge for me was how isolated I felt. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know, I mean, yes, my mom, but in terms of friendships, in terms of community, uh, it was really hard in the beginning, the first, the, the first, you know, maybe three to five years of being vegan because I didn't know anyone else. And so even though I chose this lifestyle for the ethical reasons, the environmental reasons, the health reasons, all the reasons, vegan for all the reasons, it was tough emotionally because I felt, I felt really lonely to be honest with you, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands in Detroit, being vegan was hard, not hard as you alluded to Tony with like the lack of options, certainly nowhere near the amount of options we have now, but the biggest part mentally and emotionally for me was the sense of loneliness and isolation. That was really hard. And that's actually what we really want to dive into today. So many people have a similar experience where they learn information about environmental impact, um, animal welfare, or even health, and want to have a lifestyle change. But spouse, kids, coworkers, friends, whoever isn't on board, isn't supportive, sometimes may make fun of them, sometimes may say things like, it's okay just to have this one burger. It's totally fine. One too many times that it really begins to impact the person who's trying to make positive lifestyle change. So we would love to talk about how you were able to overcome that. And then uh, further down the line, how people who are just stepping into this lifestyle can shift their mind into a positive place. Yeah, it it was interesting because even though the internet was available, uh, we certainly had no form of social media at that time. And back then for me it was it was tough because it was like where do I where do I go to meet people like this? So I remember going to um there as I mentioned there was a very small handful of vegan restaurants in in Detroit and 
you know, I would go there kind of um, hoping to be outgoing and, and meet someone and strike up a friendship. And perhaps I was a little too overzealous and, and gregarious and being like, who wants to be my vegan friend? Anyone? I'll make you, I'll make you brownies. I'll make you muffins. Anyone, anyone. So I remember just kind of going to restaurants, like trying to meet vegan friends and it, it didn't really work all that well. For me, I think it was an opportunity to really, first of all, put myself out into uncomfortable situations, right? Like like going to these places that I had never been, trying to meet people. I remember one of the first events I ever went to, and I was so excited, when meetup.com came out. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh my God, there's this thing called meetup.com, and I can maybe find you know, some, some small group. And I, I think I remember... This was maybe a year or two into my vegan journey. I finally found like a meetup group in Metro Detroit and I was so over the moon. So that that was a real big turning point for me because again, there there was no community on social media to connect with. There was no one else I knew. So when when Meetup came out, that was a huge door that opened for me in terms of connecting with other, you know, vegans and vegetarians. Plant-based wasn't even a term back then. It was just you're vegetarian. There, back then, it was like, oh, are you ovo-lacto? Are you lacto? Are you vegan? All those terms were <laughs> our own back then. But as I went on, you know, I I realized in terms of my family and in terms of, you know, kind of them feeling like I was, you know, joining a cult or, or doing this weird thing, it was an opportunity to have really clear, difficult conversations, right? For example, when when I felt like, you know, my my aunt was making fun of me or something or, or made kind of like a a passive aggressive comment about about the food or how I was living, you know, it was an opportunity to say like, you know, hey auntie, do you do you want to know why I'm choosing this? Like are you are you interested in in knowing cuz I'd love to share with you, you know, cuz you've never really asked why I'm doing this. And I as a person who loves you, I really do want your support cuz I care about you. I know you care about me. I know you're probably doing this because either you're concerned about my health or you are feeling somehow defensive about this choice you don't don't understand, right? That was hard to have those kind of conversations, right? It's a very kind of raw, vulnerable thing to talk to a family member about. How did you muster up the courage to to bring that up to your family members? I know sometimes it's hard to speak up to your elders or people you really respect. How did you muster up that courage? I realized that I had... I had a choice to either be defensive and aggressive and angry toward her and, and you know, other family members that were kind of making those, those snide or passive aggressive comments. And I thought, okay, if I come at this from a defensive place or a place of, of feeling like I'm being attacked personally, right? It's, it's very easy when we feel like we're being attacked to lash out at someone. And I thought, what is it that I really want here? I don't want to have a war with my family. I don't want to be at odds or, or, or have this kind of radical, pushback from them. So what is it that I really want here? Well, I want to be understood, right? I want them to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. So if I, if I get defensive and I get aggressive and I push back, that's really going to shut them down in terms of when someone kind of lashes out at you, you don't necessarily feel open to receiving what they have to say. So I thought, okay, how can I respond from love? This is tough. How do I do this? Okay. What if I ask her, do you want to know why I'm doing this? Do, do you really want to know why? And, and and reassuring her and her concern that I've researched this, I'm taking my multivitamins, I'm eating really nutritiously, I'm learning how to cook. I, I feel like once I explained to her why I was doing it, without being accusatory, right? I think that's one mistake that a lot of vegans might make in the beginning is 
you know, we're so passionate about this lifestyle and why we've chosen this lifestyle that sometimes, you know, when we respond to people, it's like, you know, yeah, because I don't have murdered corpses on my plate. Sorry. You know, we, we don't want, I didn't want to reply like that. I wanted to be very kind. And and so to your to your, your question, Tony, I just I made a choice to try and come from love and equanimity rather than and believe me, I really wanted to lash out at her. You know, it's not that I didn't want to do that. I'm 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 not Zen like that, but I remember pausing and, and thinking to myself, all right, how do I come from love? Communicate, speak from your heart. That's where you got to, and whether they accept it or not, at least you've spoken your heart and you've come at this from a place of love. I think this is so interesting to talk about. And we do talk about it a lot because I think from my experience, the biggest challenges relating to mental health and being vegan come out of these exact conversations. And almost all of them that I look back on, I never lashed out. I never got angry, but I always left feeling not heard or like I hadn't expressed myself well. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that sometimes you will feel like you express yourself well, you said your piece, and as long as you can remain detached to the result, at least you said it and you were heard and you can walk away feeling comfortable with that. But sometimes you just walk away not feeling good because no matter what you say, the other person's probably not going to say, wow, I had no idea. I'm going to go vegan too, which is (laughs) what you really want to hear. And that's a challenge that you just have to hold on to and sit with. Like once you become aware of the suffering and everything that's going on in the world and how just simply shifting your food choices can make such a huge impact, you carry that weight and that burden, at least I have, of if I don't make an impact, no one else is going to. Like if I don't make these changes or reach people who haven't really thought about this yet, no one else is going to. And that's a big weight to carry. Yeah. It, it, I agree, Michelle. It totally is, and 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 not being attached to the outcome of those conversations, as you said. Mm-hmm. You know, even if we speak all of the facts, and and we we feel like we're being so logical and and so heartfelt, and everything's just being explained so succinctly, it doesn't guarantee that a person is going to shift their perspective or their opinion. However, I want to say that all these years later, uh, and this wasn't my intention. I wasn't engaging in these type of conversations with my family to to sway them, right? I wasn't going in like, I'm going to convince you to do this with me. But all these years later, I think those seeds that I planted have borne some really interesting fruit. Because now, in 2021, as we speak, not only has my mom been vegan, like I said, since 1998, my aunt, who I just spoke about, who was kind of questioning me in the early days, she's vegetarian, almost fully vegan. Wow. My cousin, Steve, my cousin Jennifer, and now my uncle Bill, who has been going through some health issues, is reducing his meat in- intake and eating more vegetables. So you, even in the moment, if it feels like you're not being heard, if it mm-hmm. feels like the impact is not landing, you may be surprised years down the line when those meals, those conversations, those heartfelt expressions start to take root inside someone. Because I never could have predicted that you know, my aunt, my two cousins, my uncle would be adopting or moving deeper into this lifestyle all these years later. So I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I'm just sharing my personal life story that those seeds did have an effect. It took took years to do. But when I go home now to Detroit, I just, I feel such a deep sense of, I don't know if it's pride, but it's more like, I know they're healthier. I know they're taking good care of themselves. And even though I'm, you know, 2,500 miles away in Los Angeles, 
it makes my heart feel good to know that they're they're really caring for their bodies and making more compassionate choices. So you never know what's going to happen. I had the exact same experience. And even those conversations that felt like I was having them while holding back tears or I left just having that pit in your stomach where you just feel not good, like you would have rather said nothing as long as you stay kind. And even if you say, hey, I don't really want to talk about this right now. It's really let's do it later or whatever. I found the same thing. Like now that it's been a decade and a half, the least likely people that you'd never expect to make changes or even take steps into at least thinking positively about plant-based food it's really, it's really quite amazing. Yeah. I also wanted to share another thing that I did that perhaps if any of the listeners want to explore this option as well, I mean, obviously now if people are feeling lonely or isolated, you know, we do have social media and and the vegan movement and the vegan community is so incredibly diverse and, and broad. And there's so many interesting perspectives with, with different people and content creators online. But one thing in terms of an in-person thing that I did years ago, I mentioned meetup.com. The other thing I did was I started to volunteer at a local animal sanctuary in Michigan. It's called Sasha Farm Animal Sanctuary. It's out in Manchester, which is kind of near Ann Arbor, where the University of Michigan is. And once I found out that that existed, that was like even beyond meetup.com. I was like, oh my God, there's an animal sanctuary. I just called them up and I said, hey, I want to come and volunteer. I want to come and help out, you know, make food, uh, help bale hay, you know, scoop cow poop, whatever you guys need. And I was just like, just use me. And that was a really huge way for me to meet other vegans and compassionate people in real life. So I know that not every state necessarily has, you know, a dedicated animal sanctuary or farm animal sanctuary. But if there is some sort of animal rescue organization or a farm sanctuary, those things exist obviously still to this day. And that was a huge way for me to go and just connect with really incredible people. And and many of those friendships I still have. I mean, one of my oldest friends in the world is someone that I met at that animal sanctuary. So I wanted to throw that out there as another option. That's a really great, that's a really great thing. I also wanted to add that not only can you meet people who are like-minded, but you also get the opportunity to meet the animals whose lives are being spared and building those bonds and looking into the eyes of an animal who was saved from being slaughtered makes the why you may endure uncomfortable conversations or the why it may be inconvenient at times so much more worth it. I love following you on on Instagram and I'll link your channel in the or your your handle in the show notes so other people can go follow you as well. But you talk a lot about mental health and I feel like that's such an incredibly important thing when talking about vegan living because as we mentioned, especially when you're carrying the weight of the world, um, what's happening to animals, what's happening to the environment and how your family may not be responding as you'd like them to, it can feel really overwhelming. So I'm wondering if you could share some tips for self-care or overcoming these obstacles with people who may be feeling that sense of isolation or maybe even depression or burnout or, or just struggling with mental health in general. Yeah, I think there's several different angles, Tony, that I, I want to address this from because First of all, a little a little bit about my background and why I talk about mental health so much these days and and interweave that with 
therapy and mindfulness and, and nutrition and self-care is because in 2014, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and suicidal ideation. And it's something that, to be totally transparent, I, I still struggle with. Nowhere near to the level of severity or duration or frequency that I did. But for me, it's it's been very much sort of this another branch of my health journey where in addition to plant-based living, it's been this ongoing just experiment of how do I how do I personally take care of my mental and emotional health and then share those tools and resources. So before I share a few of those, I just want to say I'm I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I am a chef with a nutrition background who struggles with depression and suicidal ideation. So I just want to frame it with that. So whatever I say, it is not clinical advice. It's based on my own research, studies I've read, and own life experiments that I've done on my body and mind. So with that being said, I think, you know, fr from a perspective of the, the, the sort of mental side of this, I realized that I needed to seek out therapy. And I needed to seek out therapy because of the level of, as you said, you know, overwhelm, burnout, feeling a sense of despair in the world. It was, it, it was a really dire situation for me. And I knew that if I were to try and handle it alone, which if I look back on that period of my life, I was depressed for a few years prior to my diagnosis, but I had this attitude of, no, nah, I don't need to adjust anything. I don't need to seek help. I can figure it out on my own. I can figure it out on my own. I was very myopically focused on not wanting to get help. And I wish I had gotten help prior to that. So the first thing I would say is, is if one is able to, to find a therapist. And I realized that from a financial perspective, therapy can be on the expensive side. One little hack or tip around that is students who are in university program are required to have a certain number of laboratory hours, work hours, therapy hours before they graduate with their master's or their doctorate. And they often, off, they often offer therapy either for free or very, very low cost. And so I've had incredible experiences with that. Uh, so that's one little tip if, if, if someone is reticent about going to therapy because of the cost. Can I add one thing right here? Mm -hmm. I have a similar situation where I found I had hardly any money and I felt like I needed some, some extra help. And uh, I did some research locally and found that there, there are nonprofits that exist that allow you to pay on a sliding scale. So if you have 10 bucks to spare, then there are people who, who will talk to you for the $10. So just do a quick Google search in your area and you might find something within your budget. Yeah, that's a great tip, Tony. That's a phenomenal tip. And in conjunction with seeking out therapy, and there are many different kinds of therapy, there's sort of, you know, the traditional talk therapy model. I decided to do that in conjunction with something called somatic therapy, somatic experiencing, which gets to how trauma and pain and grief are stored on a cellular level in the body, right? It's not just not just a psychological thing. It's how does pain and grief and sadness manifest in the physical being? So for me, it was a combination of, of you know, really releasing and getting to the root of that trauma and that pain, which helped with the psychological side of it. So there, there's many different kinds of therapy out there. The second thing, which was really critical for me when I started to realize that there could be something going on with my neurotransmitter function in my brain. And, and really quickly, neurotransmitters are chemical messengers in our neurophysiology that create different action potentials in the body. So 
something like dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter, uh, is something that makes us feel like rewarded. It's something that makes us feel good about ourselves. Uh, serotonin is like you know something that helps us relax and 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 help to regulate our central nervous system. So when our neurotransmitters are out of balance, we tend to experience, in most cases, different mental health issues when our brains are not functioning properly. So in addition to going to a therapist, I went and I got for the first time in my life, right? I went and got my blood panels tested. I wanted to see all my vitamins, my minerals, my nutrients, my neurotransmitters. I wanted the whole kit and caboodle. And so I went and I, I found a holistic doctor and we did a whole full blood panel. And we found that I was really deficient in certain nutrients. Specifically, right, one of the biggest ones for me, and, and this will tie into the food conversation around veganism is that I was severely low in EPA and DHA omega-3 fatty acids. And to this point, I was like, I, I remember saying to my doctor, but I eat like hemp seeds all day long and I'm eating flax seeds all day long and I have my chia seeds and I have my walnuts and I don't understand how it could be low. He said, well, there's different kinds of omega-3 fatty acids. There's ALA, alpha-linoleic acids. There's EPA and DHA. And he said, you're getting a ton of ALAs. That's what's in the seeds and the nuts and everything. And they're high in omega-6s. He said, but what you're super deficient in is you're deficient in your EPA and your DHA. I said, why does that matter? He said, well, those really have a tremendous effect on your neurochemistry. And he said, I you know, my doctor was great. He said, I, I'm not going to try and convince you not to be vegan. I, I think you can do vegan super healthfully, but you got to dial in these different nutrients. And mind you, at that time, I was not taking any supplements at all wasn't taking any B12, wasn't taking any omegas. I was just getting everything through food. And I realized for my body that it was so critical to get that blood panel test so that I could see what I was deficient in. So since I got that blood panel test, I have been taking supplements. And I have found that taking the right supplements for my body has made a huge difference in my mental health journey. And I think it's important for each person to do this, not just vegan. I think anyone could benefit from this because there's this, there's almost this tendency, right? To go into a place like Whole Foods or our natural co-op or whatever we have in our area and be like, ah, I'm low energy. Maybe I should take some guarana. Maybe I should take a B complex. I don't know. And then the person there's like, here, try this supplement. It may not even be what your body needs. So a huge part of this mental health journey and how vitamins and nutrients affects our mental health and our neurotransmitters is getting clear about what we may or may not be deficient in. And that is a huge, I can't stress how important this is. The crazy thing is that you don't know that you're deficient until it gets to a point where you feel it. And there's like a big period in there where you probably don't even notice it. And so even if you're feeling relatively good and like nothing's, nothing's amiss, it's possible that that there could be some nutrients that could be bumped up in your diet. So I I feel inspi inspired to pay a little more attention to that. I'm guilty of this. As quite some time ago, I would post memes that were like um, a farm stand and it would say pharmacy. And I now know that that's just not how life works and that's not how health works and that people suffer from pretty severe things like depression and other autoimmune diseases and a, a variety of things which require them to look for something to heal them, help them heal, feel better that are outside of food. So I, this conversation is reminding me again that it's 
sometimes we feel as vegans, this is the end all be all. We are healthy and immune to everything now because of our superpower diet. But uh, this just reminds me to be more conscious, to be more compassionate and mindful that people who eat the super healthiest foods can still need to be very thoughtful about receiving medical help when they need it. Yeah, it's really critical. And and I'm glad you brought that up, Tony, because I was also very much like that, you know, in, in the beginning of my career, like veganism will grow your arm back if it gets chopped off and it'll make your hair, you know, <laughs> it was like, you know, all this crazy stuff. You'll never get cancer and heart disease if you go vegan. And the reality is, you know, I, if we can get myth busters for a second, vegans do get cancer. Vegans do get heart disease. Vegans do experience different health challenges. It, it, it's, it's not a panacea just because you eat organic plant foods and nothing else. And, and in my own experience, can eating vegan and living vegan have an incredibly significant reduction in the possibility of these things? Absolutely. I don't think, you know, with all the scientific studies we've seen from all the wonderful medical doctors and researchers over the years, I kind of feel like that's irrefutable at this point. It, it has the incredible ability to reduce our risk. To prevent completely, I think that's a very dangerous positioning. And, you know, as I started to, to learn more about the things I was deficient in, and I was talking to my doctor and, and he turned me on to some different studies, I started to realize that there was, there was a core group of nutrients that were not impossible, but a lot more difficult to synthesize from a plant-based diet. And for me, it was like I mentioned, EPA and DHA, omega-3 fatty acids, which primarily are found in fish and shellfish. So for that one, I had to find, okay, obviously I'm not going to eat fish or, or shrimp or anything like that. Luckily, I found an algae-based, a microalgae-based EPA and DHA formula. So that was covered, right? The second one was vitamin D3. Most people find vitamin D3 in animal milks. Luckily now, there are a lot of plant milks that are fortified with vitamin D3. Uh, even you know orange juices and different juices out there have vitamin D3. Another great way is to get out into the sun and sweat and get the vitamin D3 transdermally through your skin. There's also transdermal vitamin D3 patches you can get. So that was the second nutrient that's a little bit difficult to get on a, a, a plant-based lifestyle. The third one is K2. And K2 is really important for bone health, for cartilage, for keeping our musculature healthy. And that's also, again, primarily found in dairy products. So, okay, where am I going to get K2? Oh, there's a vegan D3 K2 supplement. Awesome. Great. And also there's natto and soybeans, ultra-fermented soybeans that have high levels of K2. And then to me, it was just really taking my supplementation more seriously, right? Of, okay, also for me, it was B12 and the whole B complex regimen. I was deficient in that stuff too. It's like, all right, so now I have a very dialed in supplementation regimen that goes along with my vegan lifestyle. And I want to say this because I've had some trolls and haters online when I started talking about my mental health say things like, whoa, if you, you know, if you, if you stop being vegan, you wouldn't have these mental health issues anymore. And I'm like, well, let's examine the number of people who experience depression, anxiety, PTSD, bipolar, et cetera, et cetera. Statistically, how many of those people in the world do you think are vegan? A very tiny, tiny percentage. So it's not vegans who are struggling with mental health issues. It's not a correlation. Like people online were trying to make a correlation, like you're vegan and that's why this is happening. It was like, no, 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 no. 
many people are nutritionally challenged and they're not taking the right supplements for their body. So that's why I go back to research, 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 get the blood panel test and adjust your diet and your lifestyle as needed. I think normalizing the idea of of supplementation in general and people taking supplements is a good thing. And you know, I remember in the beginning of, of my journey with this that there were a lot of I don't know, I guess authors, educators, etc. that were like you can get everything you need from plants. You never need to take supplements, which is why I never took supplements. You know, I didn't start taking supplements as I mentioned until my diagnosis in 2014. So that means the first 16 years of my vegan journey, I took zero supplements because I really did believe that I could just get everything I needed. But my particular body, again, this is a very individual thing, my body was really struggling getting and extracting and utilizing B vitamins. And like I said, EPA, DHA, et cetera. So, you know, with you taking your pregnancy vitamins and and kind of this glow, I want to normalize supplementation and not have it be this how some people view it of like, uh, again, well, if you, you know, if you stop being vegan, you wouldn't, you know, need to take all these supplements, all the weird judgments people have. Again, I just think normalizing it and also learning about the substantive differences of how supplements are made and the differences in the forms that they come in. So really quickly, like we hear about B12 all the time, right? B vitamins, how critical they are. And they are, whether that's folate for a pregnant person or a non-pregnant person, folate is important for our brain chemistry, for our neurology. Same thing with B12. But not all B12 as an example is created equal, right? There's typically two forms of B12 out there. There's cyanocobalamin and there's methylcobalamin. The difference is that cyanocobalamin, and you can just turn around the supplement and look on the label, it'll tell you which one it is. Cyanocobalamin is typically a lower quality, more difficult to absorb form of B12. Whenever you see a methylated vitamin or mineral, what methylation means is that it goes through a process where your body can absorb and assimilate the nutrients easier. So whenever you're looking at supplements, particularly B complexes, always, always, always make sure it's a methylated methylcobalamin because that is the most assimilable, highest quality form of B12 out there. So not just normalizing supplementation, but we got to really do the research and find out what the best quality is for our bodies. I'm going to take my vitamin right now. I am grabbing it as we speak. (laughs) I am so guilty of not being on top of it. So I'm really grateful we're having this conversation. Yeah. and, And I think too, you know, Eating a really nutrient-dense diet is, is such an important part of the plant-based journey. And I mentioned how I kind of went from being a, a standard American junk food eater. And, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with vegan junk foods. I love rocking a vegan burger. I love going to any of the, you know, the many vegan ice cream shops here in Los Angeles. And I, I love indulging as much as anyone does. But that's not the primary foundation of my diet and my lifestyle, right? Every day I try and eat the rainbow, as cliche as that might sound. You know, I try and get my antioxidants and my phycocyanins from my dark berries in my smoothie. I make sure that I have fresh greens every day, high quality protein like tofu, tempeh, organic beans. So for me, I have found that if we're supplementing for our bodies correctly and we're eating a really wide variety of foods, different colors, different textures, different nutrient densities. I think that's really an essential key to thriving long-term with a plant-based lifestyle. Agreed. We're running out of time and I want to make sure that we leave our 
audience with something that's actionable. So what would you like to tell them based on your journey, based on your experience with mental health struggles, and even your experience not having the support that you wanted from your extended family? What advice can you give to our audience that they can apply to just feeling better? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you know, to deal with the sense of isolation or loneliness, especially against the the, the backdrop of a, a global pandemic, it's been really hard. Finding like-minded people, whether that is, you know, direct messaging a content creator that you follow who's vegan, finding different vegan chat rooms or even starting a vegan chat room. I mean, I know people have Zoom fatigue right now, but going in and really being proactive about getting people together, I think is is a good way to combat the loneliness and isolation. And as the world opens back up, as I mentioned, if you've never volunteered at an animal rescue or a farm sanctuary, or if you've never been to a vegan festival, there are some incredible, incredible vegan festivals that are happening. Um, I just found out that actually seed food and wine is going to be happening again this year in Miami in November. So that's just one example. Um, but I think it requires us to be proactive. If we I know for me, when I feel lonely and I feel isolated, the way that I get out of it is by reaching out to people and trying to connect with new people. So it does require some proactivity. In terms of feeling better, as we mentioned, the low-cost therapy options, seek those out. Uh, Finding a local naturopathic doctor to get your blood panels tested and look at what's going on with your individual physiology, with your vitamins, your minerals, your proteins, your omega fatty acids, your neurotransmitters. I think that's critical. Uh, And then taking the right supplements for your body is super, super important. And the other thing too, I I think I I just want to remind people, Tony, is um, there's no shame in this. And one of the reasons that I waited for so long is because I felt shame around being depressed. I felt shame around feeling suicidal. I felt shame because, you know, here I am, this chef with this you know TV show on the cooking channel at Food Network, and I'm talking about health and vibrancy and you know, and I'm the one behind the scenes struggling with all this. You know, I felt I felt just a lot of shame around it. And I think talking about this openly, talking about it and sharing our journey, asking for help, making sure we're giving our bodies what they need, it's how we break the stigma of mental health in this culture. It's how it's how we break away from the sense of shame, the sense of that something is broken in us, that something's wrong with us, because there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing broken about you. You're a human being who needs support. And without support, it's really, really tough to make it through this life. So, uh, you know, whatever, whatever people want, I, I'm here as a resource. I, I know we had a very short time together in just an hour, but I'm always available to reach out through email, through direct messages. And if anyone has any questions about the type of you know therapy that I've done, the brands of supplements I take, I mean, I feel like we could fill this with like probably a two to three hour conversation, but I just want to leave it on this. If anyone's listening and wants to feel like you're not alone, email me, DM me. I'm here for you. And I'm happy to share whatever resources, research, products, experience that I've garnered. Jason, thank you so much for sharing your experience, for being vulnerable, for offering yourself as a resource, for being a bright light in the world, for being our friend. We are so appreciative of everything that you do for us, for our community and just for the world in general. You are very loved and we're so grateful that you came onto our podcast. So grateful, Tony and Michelle. It's uh, always a pleasure to be with you and 
thank you for opening the space to have this conversation. I really appreciate it. I hope that we can do it again. I feel like we just barely scratched the surface. But for those listening, if you are hungry for more wisdom dished by Jason and just more of his personal experiences and all of the advice he has to share, be sure to check out his podcast with Whitney. This might get uncomfortable. It is just a treasure trove of so much that can be applied to your own life that can be helpful. So thank you. Just everything Tony said for all that you do for the world, Jason. We really appreciate it. Thank you. That was a really good conversation with Jason. It took some different turns that I didn't expect. And I'm grateful we talked about all kinds of things with him. We even continued chatting after our call. And something he brought up is so important that Michelle and I wanted to chat with you about it. And that is limiting your content. If you don't feel like you're in the mental space to receive certain information, then it's totally fine if you don't receive that information. For example, he brought up Seaspiracy, which he hasn't seen yet. And everybody's watching it. It was the number one documentary on Netflix in the UK. And everyone was talking about it. And if you are vegan and you didn't see it, maybe you could have some FOMO or feel like you're not part of the conversation. But if you know that you don't have the mental capacity, the emotional capacity to deal with it, it's totally fine. I haven't even seen it. I love what they're doing. I love that people are being educated, but I know myself and I know how hurt I'll feel. And I just don't have it in me at this point after being in a pandemic, having a really tense year politically and socially, and just feeling really tapped. I, I don't have the capacity to watch it. So I'm really grateful he touched on that. And this is for everyone who's listening. It's totally okay if you don't want to receive information. Yeah, I think it's really important to tap into what you're ready for and what you can handle emotionally and to not just see it all because you feel like you have to bear witness, which is, I know, an idea that has been implanted in many of us is, if you can't even watch it, how can we be living this world experiencing it or watch it and then you'll feel more inspired to do more, which I did watch Seaspiracy and I was a bawling mess and I did leave it inspired to do much more, but I felt re- I felt emotionally in a space where I was ready to watch it. And so, yeah, really tune into yourself and Do not hold any level of guilt or shame if you just turn it off, close the door. And not only that, but online conversations, questions that you're asked, if people are constantly nagging you or bugging you, you don't have to get into those conversations at all. You can always just say it's not something that that you want to talk about right now, and that is okay. We have an episode that we talk a little bit about that in, in depth. That's the episode with Bruce Friedrich. So if you're feeling like you just don't know how to say that yet, that might be a helpful place to begin. Yep. Yeah. In this world that is so heavy and busy and go, 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 I think protecting our mental space is is important and something that we all, I'm sure, are on a journey of learning how to do. So wishing us all luck in that because it is a practice for sure. Even just stepping away from social media from time to time. I know that's not vegan specific, but can be so beneficial to our mental health and it's really hard to do. So I look forward to practicing this myself as well as encouraging everyone else to. And don't forget to check out our sponsors, Flora and Caraloha. As you're planning your Thanksgiving menu, Flora will definitely 
be a great addition. Michelle and I both use it exclusively and love it, recommend it. And Caraloha, as as you both heard, we love their sheets. They are definitely worth checking out and a great sustainable option. Caraloha.com and flora.com. We will put those in the show notes. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you found this to be as, as helpful as we have. And if you feel so inspired, we'd love for you to leave a review. They are super, super helpful. And Michelle and I just really enjoy reading them. And, uh, and we will talk to you in the next episode. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. And we also have a Patreon. If you feel inspired to support the show, it means the absolute world to us. And our Patreon is at patreon.com slash people. And as always, you can find the show notes from today's episode with links to everything that Jason mentioned and more. He's going to send along all the resources that he thinks would be helpful relating to mental health. And you can find that at plantpoweredpodcast.com and just click on the episode for mental health. All right. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Have a beautiful day. Bye.